What a friend we have in Jesus. I'm so excited to be in church this morning. God is wonderful. He is good. Do you know how many people are hoping right now that they could be in a church service? There are some people in the hospital, some people on the streets, and they, they're praying right now, asking God for a second chance at life so they may serve him and be in the house of the Lord. We are a blessed people to be here. Can we stand one more time? We want to give God honor. If you could stand, please stand. We want to pray one more time and give God honor this morning and pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, God, for your love. We thank you for your compassion. We pray, God, that this morning that you will allow us to understand your word, to taking, Lord Jesus, your word as good food. Let it be nourishment to our bodies. Let your word be nourishment to our minds. Remind us, Lord, of your great salvation. And keep us, Lord Jesus, in your hands, in this present world. We thank you and we love you. And we all pray in whose name? In Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Praise the Lord. A few weeks ago, I, I was teaching on the, the doctrines of the Bible. I want to continue that. In that vein, this message or teaching is called God's Word Made Plain. It's very important that we stay in the Word of God and not only stay in the Word, keep our eyes focused on His Word, but that we study His Word. Amen. It's important that we study the Word of God and to know and understand in whom we believe in. When people on your job, in your community ask you, why do you have so much hope? Why do you, no matter what's going on in your life, we, we see that you're consistent. You're able to give an answer. Not only your testimony, which is extremely powerful, but you're able to articulate accurately the testimony of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. So we have a few, we have eight essential Bible doctrines. I'm going to recap from last week and then continue on. Also, if you have not heard the first part one, you're able to go back and listen to part one on our website. Our church website have podcasts, Sunday morning teaching, the preaching on Sundays and Wednesdays, and you're able to go back and to kind of catch up so that we're all on the same page. Amen? So you'll find on the website, in the podcast, Travis Morgan, and it's called God's Word Made Plain. That's the first installation of this series. So we have eight biblical doctrines, essential doctrines of the Bible. The first one is God. The second one is the Bible. Number three there's a doctrine or teaching on angels in the Word of God. We also have a teaching on humanity. God tells us about ourselves. Let us know who we are and how we were created. There is a doctrine and a teaching of Jesus Christ. It's very important that we know who he is. It's very important that we know who Jesus Christ is. 
when you know who he is, when you receive the revelation of Jesus Christ, it will put a new confidence in your heart towards him. You begin to understand that when you pray in his name, that no one can cancel out your blessing, that no one can hinder you from getting to Jesus when you understand who he is. So there's a teaching in the Bible that tells us exactly who God is, Jesus Christ. There is a teaching on salvation. God does not leave salvation for us to figure out. God does not suggest things in his word, but he gives commands and decrees and laws and precepts because he's a king who knows all and sees all. So his commandments or his word is never a suggestion. It's absolute. So God shows us and teaches us in his word how to be saved, or I should say how to respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's in the word. It's a blueprint. Next, we have the doctrine of the church. And we are going to get into that a little bit, hopefully, God willing, if time allows it. But there's a doctrine or a teaching on the church. Who is the church? How do we get into the church? Amen? How do we identify to ourselves that I am in the church? God gives us a plan, a blueprint, commandments, so that we know if we do this, the result is I'm in the church. Amen? And the lastly, we have what I call the last things, but God has a doctrine and a teaching on end times which we see in the church world, very controversial, but at the end of the day, there's one that's right, and that is God. Amen? We can argue his word, but we can't change it. We can try to figure it out and maybe not understand everything, but it's there and it's absolute, the last things. So I want to go back over what I, I was speaking of last, last time. And that the foundation of all this is John 17, 17. It says this, Jesus Christ speaking. He says, sanctify them through thy truth. Then he says, thy word is truth. Can we say that right now? Thy word is truth. In this world that is full of lies and deceit, we need truth. Truth always gives back. When you apply truth, you will always receive what truth says. When you know the truth, the Bible says it will make you free. So what I'm trying to say today is that if you're in any trouble or if you're in any type of bondage or confused about anything in life, find the truth. And when you find the truth, the truth shall make you free. Can I get an amen for that? He says, sanctify them through thy truth. We're set apart. We're sanctified. We, we are made holy. We are different when we absorb and understand and know and apply the word of God, which is truth. Matthew 8, 32 says, says it this way. I said it already. It says, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So truth alone will not make you free, but knowing the truth, having a relationship with the truth, understanding and applying the truth will make you free. In our society, 
Sometimes we gather the truth, we put it on the shelf, and we expect to get the results. It's like a cookbook, right? If, you, if you're inspired to be a great cook, you'll buy books on Amazon, a whole bunch of books on cooking. But if you don't use it, you'll never enjoy the meal. So in this society, we have that tendency to buy books on truth and even buy different Bibles, but not really engage in it. And we wonder why we're not seeing the results. Truth in its highest form is a person, and that person is Jesus Christ. So knowing him, reading the word to know him, to understand him, to walk in his ways, to observe him, will transform you because you are now gleaning and responding to truth, Jesus Christ. I spoke about last time that man needs salvation. We see that in Romans 3.23. I spoke about how from Adam to Eve, from, with or with Adam and Eve in the beginning, that's when sin came into the world, disobedience. And I told you guys that the, the principle of seed, every seed bears of itself. If you plant an apple tree, what do you receive? An apple or apple seed, what do you receive? An apple tree. If you plant a pear seed, what do you get? A pear tree. It's the same thing with man. When Adam planted his seed, right, through process of reproduction, what did Adam produce? Men like himself. Adam sinned, Adam reproduced sinners. So every man on this planet, Every woman on this planet is a sinner. Everyone needs salvation. No matter how good they, their life may look at the time, at the end, it will speak. The race is not for the swift, nor the battle for the strong, but for they that what? Endure to what? The end. Because the end will always speak. You'll see a man one day prospering, ignoring God, not receiving his salvation, but watch that man. The end will always speak. Then you'll see a man or a woman, right, not doing so well in life, but they meet their Savior. They meet their salvation. Watch the end of that one. Prosper, prosperity and, 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 and focus and faith in Jesus Christ. Amen? Isn't that the truth? Every man needs salvation. Sin is hereditary. I mentioned that already with the seed. Man cannot save themselves. We cannot save ourselves. Our works cannot save us. Titus 3, 5 speaks on that. The more we pray, the more we fast, the more we do religious activities will not save you. Those activities will lead you into godliness. They're exercises that informs your spiritual walk to lead you to be more like Christ. But there's one Savior, and that is Jesus. In this world that we live in, this religious world, sometimes we, we, we want to work to earn God's favor. So we say if we pray three times a day, if we fast, um, seven days a week that God will now do something for me and I'll receive more from him. But that's not how it works. You're working. You're working to receive God's favor. You're working to be saved, to be delivered from whatever it is. And that will never work for you. 
That's a treadmill that will never get you anywhere. You're running a treadmill in place. But God wants us to have faith in him, right? And to believe in him. He is the Savior. Hallelujah. Our righteousness, our goodness, our religion cannot save us. Just because you're in an apostolic church, one God, tongue-talking, baptizing in Jesus' name, church, does not mean you're saved. It is, you are saved because you responded to the gospel. But you have to continue on to know him. You have to continue on, amen, to trust in him and to rely on Jesus Christ, your Savior. You can't be here and say, well, I'm saved and do what you want to do because, remember, it's a person that's saving you. So, you have, so we need a relationship with that person to continue on to get to where we need to be, our final destination with him. Only God saved. All these things won't save us. People go to church, different um, denominations, and they feel safe, but there's no safety in church, in a church building, in an organization. Only safety in Jesus Christ. So God gave us provision for salvation. Acts 4.12 says this, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. This is a, a direct message to mankind that the name of Jesus Christ was given to you to save you. Our names are dirty and, and, and full of sin. Our connections can't save us. Our resources can't save us. But God says, I've given you a name. I have come in the flesh. I have died in your place, in your name, and rose again in my name. And now whoever believes in me shall have eternal life. God is the initiator. He is the one that completed the requirements needed to be saved. And now has given every man under heaven. I love that, under heaven. That means no one can hide unless someone I don't know about lives above the heavens. I don't know. But if you're under the heavens, under the firmament of the sky and here on earth, bound to this earth, you need Jesus Christ. Amen? Praise God. Sometimes we feel, people feel um, pressured to say that. Because someone asks, someone with influence or with, with status would look at you and say, are you saying that Jesus Christ is the only way? Yes, he is. Sometimes they, 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 they draw back because they don't want to offend. But isn't it more wicked and evil to lie? To say no, there's many ways when we know that Jesus Christ is the only way to salvation? Be bold. When your family members come to you and, and are talking and, and um, releasing their cares to you, talk about Christ. Tell them that Jesus saves, that Jesus is more than a, a, a character in, 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 a, in a novel, but that he is God, he is truth, and the truth will make you free. Praise God. Hebrews 9 says this, and almost all things are by the law purged with blood. And without the shedding of blood is no remission. Remission means forgiveness. 
God says that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. God set the price. He says the wages of sin is death. He says, I need something innocent to put my punishment on. Or I need someone actually innocent to, to save. And if you're not innocent, I can't save you. If you're a sinner, the payment is death. And I need blood. So God is the one that set the price. And God will not go against his word. So what he has done for us was supply the sacrifice. He said, okay, since you can't pay this, since bulls and sheep and all these things cannot give you forgiveness, it can't save the whole world, I'm going to come now in the flesh and provide the blood for all mankind. Amen? That's God's provision. But we see this trail of blood in the word of God. We see it with Adam. Adam sinned and God clothed them. They hid themselves at first because of shame and guilt. But God says, no, I'm going to demonstrate to you what I will do for, for everyone in the future. God killed the first animal and clothed them with animal skin to show them that I'm your covering, that nothing else can cover you. Hiding from me and running from church is not going to help you or solve the problem. Whenever we fall into sin and condemnation, God wants us to come to him because he's loving. Not run, not hide back. That's why I believe that the reason why we have so many backsliders some right now in the church that are not coming, it's not because they don't believe anymore or they rather live in the world, but it's that they can't just see how can God forgive me. I can't see, I've been in church for so long and I messed up. And now I'm ashamed to show my face in the church. Not understanding the love of God. That love covers a multitude of sins. If you know any backsliders out there, call them at the church today and let them know that Jesus was the first one to cover. And that he's still covering today. And that if you feel filthy and shame, God will forgive you. And God will restore your confidence and restore your faith in him. Then we see the shedding of blood with Abel. Cain slew Abel. And that blood that cried out to God, the blood speaks. It cried out to God for revenge. But God says, no, that's not the way I do things. My blood now that I shed is going to cry out forgiveness. My blood is going to be an inter interceder for you. It's going to intercede on your behalf. My blood cries forgive them and mercy. We see the lambs in Egypt. The lambs were slain. The Hebrew sacrifices then we go, we go on to see the scourging of Christ, how he was whipped, how he was bruised, right? All for us, for our iniquities. It says, by his stripes we are healed. These are things that actually happened. These are things that took place in human history that we, can't, we cannot forget, that we must hold on to, that we must remember, that we must apply in prayer to receive what God has already done for us. He was whipped for you and for me. If you're sick in your body, you are now the body of Christ. And in God's body, in his body, there's no sickness. In his body, there's restoration. In his body, there's soundness of mind. In his body, praise the Lord, the glory of the Lord is there. This is how you pray to God. You remind him of what he has done. You remind him of the truth. No matter how you feel, no matter what you see, 
but go by what you have heard. And you have heard him declare that by his stripes you were healed. Praise God. We see Calvary, the climax. Finally, the Son of Man, the Son of God has come and paid the price. He paid it. Who did he pay? That's a question I see sometimes on Facebook. Who did he pay? Did he pay the devil? Well, here's the answer. The one that sets the price is the one that gets paid. When you go to a store, who sets the price? The store. And when you pay them, the money goes to the store. God set the price. God said the wages of sin is death. And that's the requirement now. So when Jesus died on Calvary, or when the body of Christ was crucified, I should say, because God can't die. But when his body was crucified and given up for us, right, he paid his own price. He paid the price to himself on our behalf. And that's why it's a great salvation. Because before you were born, before your mother knew your father, and, and you came about, God knew you. And 2,000 years ago, he died for you and for me. He prayed the, he paid the price, knowing that we're going to lie, steal, kill, backbite, get jealous, have envy. And he says, I know this. So today, on that great day, he paid the price. In that scripture, it says, this is the day that the, the, um, the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad. It's speaking really on that day. That day. That day he had made. That day he knew that he will come for his people and pay the price he has set and set us free. Oh, man, God, you are, we love you, Jesus. You are so good, Lord. Thank you, God, for paying the price for me and my brethren here in church. We see that God gave Moses on Mount Sinai the law and, and the ceremonial laws. We had the priests, the sacrifices, the blood, all pointing to Calvary. In Colossians 2.17, it says, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. Galatians 3.24, I ended there last time. It says, wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. It's all about faith, believing and having good works, meaning flowing with God, doing good things through his spirit, not by effort, but through him. So the law was temporary. Here's part two. The law was temporary. We see in Galatians 3.11. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God. Remember that. No man is justified by the law. Maybe in your sight, you're justified if you do the law. But in God's sight, it's not so. It is evident, for he says, the just shall live by faith. In Galatians 3, 13, it says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, curse is everyone that hangeth on a tree. He was crucified on the tree and became a curse. If you're a believer today, there's no curses on you. Do you hear me? If you are born again of the water, baptized in Jesus' name, and of the Spirit, you do not have generational curses working in your life. Do you understand that? We hear this sometimes when we don't see things working out in our lives. We say that 
it's a generational curse. No, you have been translated from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of Jesus Christ. You are no longer under a generational curse. Am I saying that generational curses don't exist? I'm not saying that. Yes, they exist. And that's why you will see traits of sins in different families, different houses. One house will, be, will, will have alcoholism in it. One house will be lust and pride. And you'll see it in the house because those are generational curses that are following people, poverty, all these things. But once you believe in Jesus and receive him and repent of your sins and you're buried, that old man now is buried with the curses, the effects of sin. You are buried for the remission of your sins, right? You come up to what it says, the newness of life. Newness of life. Meaning those things that were following your family are now cut off in Jesus' name. When you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, that's a circumcision of the heart. Those things are cut off in Jesus' name. And the, the only thing now that must be renewed is not your spirit, but your mind. And that's why he says to go to scriptures, to study, to rightly divide the word. So you'll know how to function in the kingdom of God. If there's an issue in your life and it seems like the ends aren't meeting, it's not because of Satan. It's because we need to be renewed in our mind. We need to be taught how to function like God, our Father, like Jesus. How to move like him, think like him. How to do things like even at work. There is principles and, and, and teachings on for everything in life. If you want to know how to live on this earth, if it's business, family, marriage, whatever church, whatever it is, read Proverbs. Proverbs will teach you how to live a kingdom life here. It deals with relationships one to another. It deals with finances. It deals with everything. The mouth, holding your tongue, everything is in Proverbs. If you want to learn how to worship God, read the Psalms. The Psalms will show you how to worship when times are hard, what to say. The Psalms are anointed prayers for us to read and to know how to pray to God because he's sovereign. How to get his attention. David, he mastered get, getting God's attention. David wasn't perfect, but he knew how to rub God's back and to woo him. He knew how to stress and say, but God, you're able. But God, you're strong, and God will respond to David, not because he was perfect, but because he loved him. It was after his own heart. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Luke 16, 16 says this, the law and the prophets were until John. Since that time, the kingdom of God is preached, and every man pressed into it. John was the bridge between the old agreement, covenant, or testament, and the new. The old was based on works. It was weak because of the flesh. The flesh could not do it. But John was the bridge. John said, behold, he pointed to the new, the new covenant, the new relationship with God, the Lamb of God. And John baptized him as an example for us, right? And now we have the New Testament, the new covenant. Those things are gone. He was a lamb slain. From the foundation of the world. We see that in Revelation 5.12. His birth was announced by angels. Luke 2.11 says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, 
which is Christ our Lord. What an announcement. Oh, imagine hearing that supernatural angels coming and telling you and saying, listen, today is the day you've been waiting for. The Savior is born. I could imagine how they felt when they heard that. The Messiah is here. The payment is here. God is here amongst us. Praise God. That was a great day, a great announcement. Praise the Lord. His life in Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. For God was with him. That was an example also. The body was anointed. The Spirit of God anointed the body of Jesus. God was in him and on him. Like the Ark of Covenant, it says that it was pitched within and without with gold. And we know gold represents divinity and wood represents humanity. So the Ark of Covenant was made with acacia wood. And on top of the wood, they put gold. But inside the wood also was gold representing Christ. The fullness of the Godhead is in him bodily. But on him also was the anointing. He was able to do things and heal people and help people. That's the God that we serve. That's the God that I serve. And if you want to do the works of God, praise the Lord. The first, the only requirement is to believe. When you believe and rest in him and God is now with you, then you will heal. And you'll be like him doing good. And you'll be valuable to your society, your community. And people will see God in you. And glorify him. And say, Gary, God is my God now. Like Ruth said, praise the Lord. I want to serve your God. I want to follow you. Praise the Lord. If you want to work the works of God, believe. Right now you can believe God. I believe, Lord. I believe you're with me. I believe, Lord God, you want to work through me. I believe, Lord God, that your power is upon me. And that I can heal in your name. In the name of Jesus. Today, if you're, if you're inspired right now, I want to encourage you during the altar call, pray for someone. Apply this truth in your life. Today, not tomorrow, today. We're in church today. During the altar call, are you hearing me? During the altar call, if you feel that, that message right here, that, that, that scripture, pray for someone today. Demonstrate the truth. Today, don't let fear get in your mind. Don't let doubt get in your mind. God is with you. And if God is with you, you will do good. And you will heal those that are oppressed of the devil. In Jesus' mighty name, praise God. He declared in John 14, 6, Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Throughout relationship as our atonement. John 10, 9 says, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. And shall go in and out and find pasture. That word pasture in the Greek is nome. And it's fodder. Fodder is what livestock eat. Fodder is food for sheep and cattle. It's food. He says you will find food, spiritual food, to help you in life. You'll find wisdom going in and going out. You will find healing going in and coming out. You will find knowledge and understanding going in and coming out because God is our shepherd and he is with us. Yes, praise the Lord. 1 Peter 2.22 says this, Who did no sin, neither was guile or deceit found in his mouth. His death, John 19, 17, 18 
And he, bearing his cross, went forth into a place called the place of the skull, which is called in the Hebrew, Golgotha, 18, where they crucified him and two other with him on either side, one, and Jesus in the midst. Romans 5.8 says, But God commendeth or set us up for his love, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It is finished, is the cry from the cross. He is risen. That's Mark 16.6. The ascension, a cloud received him out of their sight. That's Acts 1.9. And now we come to the church. But guess what? Time is up. So can you please stand, please? Ah, Lord, we love you, Jesus. Next month, we're going to go right to the church. We're not going to do that. Just to give you a little nugget, the church is this, and then we'll go deeper into it next time, okay? The church is the body of baptized believers who have obeyed God's plan of salvation. That's the church. There is only one church, one body, Ephesians 4.4, and there is only one faith, Ephesians 4.5. Absorb that. Are you in the church this morning? Are you a part of the body of Christ? Have you been identified with him? Have your old man been crucified and buried in the baptism of water in Jesus' name? Have you received the gift, gift, or promise of our Father, Jesus Christ, which is the Holy Spirit, His Spirit, the Holy Ghost? If your answer is no to those things, you can be in the body. It's in your hands. The door has been opened, and the decree is whosoever will can come in. You will find safety in the body. You will find provision in the body, protection in the body of Christ, comfort in the body of Christ. You will find direction for your life and purpose in the body of Christ. Books can't help you. There's a thousand books on finding your purpose, a thousand books on how to be prosperous, and they're still writing more books because it's not working. Only the truth will make you free, and the truth is Jesus Christ. Let's pray. <laughs> Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, God, for the opportunity to take our time and go through the scriptures, not so much preaching, but just taking our time and having a discussion about you and your word. Lord, we pray that something today was said that will encourage someone to believe in you. Something was said today that would set someone's mind and affection on you. I pray, God, that you will give your people, all of us here, boldness today to appropriate the truth. To lay hands on somebody in your name, knowing that the results are in your hands. Knowing that you are with us. Hallelujah, because you have paid the price and we have accepted it. Let today, Lord God, be a day of ministry. 
Let today, Lord God, be a day where we're not here to just receive, but we're here to give, and we're here to encourage, and we're here, God, to be, to be a, a worker, Lord, in your kingdom. I thank you for every person in this building, for the elders, for those in between, and the children. I thank you that you have called all of us to be a minister of reconciliation, reconciling the world unto yourself. Bless your people. For someone in, in, here that, in here that needs direction, Lord, give it to them. For someone that needs healing in their bodies, give it to them. Help them to receive it. And we love you and we thank you. In the name of Jesus Christ, we say what, church? Amen. Praise the Lord.